Welcome back to the Genuine X podcast. Uh, it is, in fact, Genuine X's first birthday, which uh, is quite a big deal. And we are really lucky to be joined by some really amazing people today. Um, Nathan and Liam from Silent Studios. Hello. Hi, Hello. guys. How Hi. are you? Welcome. Hello. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thanks, Thanks very, very much. much. Yeah. <laughs> we just came for the cake. Yeah. <laughs> Where is the cake? Yeah. It's coming, it's coming, okay. it's coming. Um, we just had a great uh, breakfast chat with you guys as well. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about Silent Studios and also just a little bit about yourselves and kind of your disciplines and, and what you guys, uh, where you guys sort of come from and stuff? Sure. Who wants to go first? Shall I? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm Nathan Prince, one of the co-founders um, of Silent Studios, which we launched in 2004. So it's our 15th anniversary this year. And my background is predominantly design and art direction, but usually with a moving image and animation. Um, and it can touch on kind of direction and storytelling um, through to, yeah, CG and animation. But predominantly um, our work or, or my body of work is kind of live and site specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name's Liam. I'm the music director at Silent, and yeah, I guess my background is composition and sound design. Uh, but I've always really loved um, developing audio for physical spaces and how the public and kind of people interact with audio in mm. these spaces. And I think that's really informs, I guess, the yeah, a lot of our work from a kind of sound point of view. It's quite an interesting. It's almost a creative partnership, right? Of, of a fully sensory nature like we've just kind of gone away from the copywriter and we've just gone full fat on full <laughs> full yeah. senses right yeah yeah um yeah. can yeah. you tell us a little bit about how this sort of partnership works because i think it's really interesting yeah I, well yeah that that's the thing we thought why i mean i suppose one of the the main reasons is that i i felt that audio was so overlooked and a last minute thing and when you're thinking about how people feel from an emotional point of view or an experience point of view, to ignore sound seems so counterintuitive to me. Mm. Um, and, you know, we, we've, we've worked together since 1999, I think we worked out the other day. Um, and we thought, why don't, why don't all studios work like this? And then we found out that um, it's not, the easiest. I mean, what you see and what you hear goes together like peas and carrots, right? But actually, to write music is quite a solitary experience. I mean, you may have other musicians involved, but you shut yourself away in a soundproof room, an expense, expensive kit. Whereas in my world, it's more about an open plan studio, perhaps 10 of you throwing around some ideas or working on a project. So by its nature, you work quite separately. And yet, um, those two senses go together and our work touches on mm. on both and but it's been such a privilege and so so much joy over the years in working together every day physically being together every day even if um, we're not sat there although I have sat in a room with Liam hammering away on a keyboard with headphones on in our first you know iteration yep um, yep. But yeah, they they kind of go together and don't. It's like oil and water. You have to give it a really good shake to get it to get it to work. But if you can, it's it's the perfect partnership, really. Yeah, I mean, I think we've always found that um, almost the best projects we work on is where 
it's not really uh, from the start really clear whether it's sound led or whether it's kind of visually led and almost we let each department or kind of expertise influence each other and that can then lead to a much better end product because I guess we're kind of thinking about okay at this moment here should it be about the sound or the music and then at this point it's more visually or light or kind of and thinking about how people will be affected by it. I mean I think we always kind of speak, spoke about the senses and the idea that audio is so emotive and there's just certain things you can't do visually that you can do with sound and it was always felt to us a kind of strange thing that you know there is other projects where we work just on the audio with a kind of separate studio that's on the other side of the world there's no interaction between them it's just all through the agency and there's almost like no dialogue about you know what you're doing visually here or how could that you know like maybe be adapted based on what we're doing so it's always great when we can do the two and we can just see where we get to. I'm always really interested in, in creative partnerships in general, coming from a more, I was sort of retrained in a more traditional way, so with copywriter, art director, but then worked at a very digital agency, Poke, for a long time, and they kind of were like, we don't really do that. And that kind of led my interest into how really good ideas are kind of created. And it always struck me that it's, and I'm yet to come up with a better phrase for it, but creative conflict is actually a really good thing, right? Coming together and going, I don't like that for these reasons, or do you like this? Or That's still really important, and that sounds like it's part of what your relationship is kind of based on as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because 15 years on, you sometimes question... You don't want. I, I I quite like. There's security in a duo. There's mm. you. It, it it feels comfortable. It's like a a, a creative marriage almost. Mm. But what's great is that you've got the support. You've got. Um, I guess you've kind of got the same agenda. And what I've always loved is that, and we joke about this quite a lot. If it's a bit of a difficult brief, I'll, I'll say I think I, this is probably a sound response this one <laughs> but um i i really love suggesting sound for something conceptually and, and equally with liam i think um it's it's something that yeah like you say those some of the best creative partnerships are just super inspiring and i think when you've got two disciplines it's perhaps not easy because i can't jump in and help write that piece of music with Liam but then you have some distance and I can keep um, hold of that integrity whether it's conceptually or and, and vice versa so it's not the easiest duo because we don't do the same thing um, yeah. but there is that I guess conflict and and tension between the two it's great because you yeah. you know although we are really nice to each other yeah that's the thing like the phrase creative conflict feels really negative right that's why i can't find a better way of phrasing it because it is it's a positive conflict though yes. you know yeah, definitely. and then you guys have, so you've been together for 15 years kind of working as silent studios yeah. and then in 15 years i was talking about this with some other guys the other day like five years ago some of the ideas which i'm seeing would have been impossible yeah. 15 years ago i mean the, the change in digital and social media, the explosion, yeah. must have a massive influence on what you guys are able to do now. Definitely, yeah. I mean, there's kind of, I mean, from an audio point of view, there's no uh, software that you can get off the shelf that we can now do multi-speaker playback and do really immersive, like bespoke sound systems. Um, 
which is like a massive leap forward because like even just like a few years ago we'd get on site and the spectre system that you know has two you know stereo playback or the speakers aren't very good or there's no kind of like chance to actually program and choreograph the sound in the space which we can now do and it's just it just changes everything because then you can really experience it yourself you can work out what's working what's not and then you know you've got the end result where it's way more affecting um so that's like a massive kind of change for us yeah I think though for me, one thing I was going to mention is that conceptually or with ideas, it's strange because they're all from us. Oh, this is our idea. This is what we'd like to make. They're so instinctive and intuitive that it's based on just where you are at the time. So we can do so much more now, but it doesn't really affect what we suggest as an idea or what we would like to do. I mean, if anything, you know, a lot, if anything, it's, it's kind of, annoying where there'll be an Instagram booth somewhere on a live show you know that's invariably turned off or not really working because all of our work is really photogenic and shareable and that by its nature it, it's got people human form color light sound it's kind of you know a lot of our work is like a room in a gallery that is the kind of photogenic shareable room and I, I think we kind of rely whether it's agency or or strategy people to actually nail that that side of it I suppose yeah because we're really thinking about that we're almost thinking about the experience of the person that's there that's kind of like walking through the Eden project where it's all lit up at night and it's kind of that's like I think there's only so much you can get out of you know like a picture on Instagram and how that makes you feel it's like a, more about you know like you know experiencing something live and kind of getting out there and doing stuff and you know from an audio point of view you know we can kind of like play stuff really loud and kind of like that's really affecting in itself versus like you know it's on a phone <laughs> and it's kind of on your headphones. I mean, that is tin. probably the most conflict that there is because all of our work brings people together yeah. in could be wonder or a human like experience emotive experience or something um and yet with kind of spatial audio or you know vr augmented you know mixed reality projects are also really interesting to us because it changes the way you perceive the world around you but putting a vr headset on is also the opposite of what we've done historically because that's just a solo experience do you, do you get frustrated when you see people at your experiencing your things through their phones I, I mean, personally, I do a little bit because I just feel that I kind of want people just to kind of like experience it and yeah. be, it be memorable enough. They don't need to take a picture to document it. Yeah. I mean, it is tricky because that's how people live these days. But I think it's just it definitely changes the kind of the atmosphere. Um, but it's so like, I don't know, it's like just everybody does it these days. It's just expected. Um, and it's strange, isn't it, that it, I went to something on Saturday night and no one had their phone out but I really really wanted to um, document it for myself I might not have posted I did actually post something but um, it was obviously a thing like that crowd not doing it and then I, you start to think well if no one does it did it happen <laughs> you know if no, you know it's a strange time yeah. but I kind of feel um, because I would feel differently perhaps if you're the performer if you're the artist on stage but yeah. for me because um it's so photogenic or it's about color or light or something it's actually visually it's not a bad thing that people are sharing that and that yeah. you know yeah. i mean like a 
it was a couple of years ago now, but we went to the Waldorf Project. Have you ever yeah, heard of that? Um, heard of it, yeah. Which is kind of like that. It's slightly hidden. It's like nobody really knows what it is. And like, I think that's a really good example where we've told everybody that we know about that. And it was like this, this really intense, like three hour assault of the senses. Mm. And there was like, yeah, you were kind of drinking stuff that was like a weird liquid. You didn't know what it was. And then there was all these moments where it was really push, like pushing you through a tunnel. And I was like, I was really claustrophobic. And there was no like, you didn't know what was happening next. And it was just like this really, it was quite freeing in a way. And there was no, yeah, you weren't allowed your phone. The first thing they did was split everybody up. So if you were in a group of four, you were all separated. Mm-hmm. And you had, it was meant to be then this like experience where you didn't really know what was happening. It was you. And it was just, I mean, like literally. And people were crying at the end, weren't they? Yeah, Sorry to, yeah, you know, it was so affecting because it was three hours it wasn't just horrible but it was three hours where you had to you you were in a safe space but you kind of had to give yourself up and i remember the first one where um we had that drink and then walked into a room that's so pitch black and a a dance like a japanese contemporary dancer or mover of sorts pushed me from behind and kept pushing and ran and i had to run and your body I mean, I'd love to know what that looked like because your body obviously doesn't want to run. <laughs> and uh, that stayed, that feeling and the power of that stayed with me for a long, long time. So when we're working on ideas and you're trying to think about how you want people to feel, like, but then the success of it, I mean, no one knows about it. Yeah. Um, well, this is, I mean, the amount of times on this podcast, the phrase punch drunk has been brought up. And for me, I had a similar experience when I went to that. It totally, I, it just blew my mind. Like, and it was actually... It was amazing because it was simpler than a lot of the stuff that I would have been working on or been doing. It's like, actually, let's take away all those things and let's just take away your ability to really have choice. But you're safe, but you have no choice. But here's an experience. And also, you know, the theatre kind of without walls almost or being around you and interactive. I think it's really interesting, um, the Waldorf Project, but also things like Future Pace, which is the kind of future city and pace gallery doing and representing artists but it's not within a gallery. So it's out there within architecture, within, you know, I think all of that is, um, you know, is super interesting and it does stay with you, doesn't it? They're not all great hits. Some of them are a bit off, a bit of a, bit of a miss, but just great that it's being, but it's being done. I, think. I, th- I mean, I think as well that the projects we work on, because they are quite different, it's really interesting seeing the audience react and interact with it so the the Kasabian tour visuals that I wasn't really involved with it was like on Nathan's side of things but it was just amazing to see this kind of quite laddie kind of like audience like really getting excited about seeing their kind of face up on the screen and it being affected and, and it's just like you just don't sometimes you really don't know how people are going to react to your work and then when you do see them it's just like totally opposite to what you thought um we did like it's a mind it is it is a bit I mean we did this piece um it was a music a touring music box for a charity called youth music and again we worked on it for a long time but the idea was that you would go in and you would have this kind of round table with different um instruments on the table and you could choose a genre from like drum and bass to hip-hop to classical and then it would map the kind of instruments like accordingly um and the idea was that you then kind of you know wrote a piece of music with your kind of friends and um then it would play it back to you at the end and it was just i mean it was amazing to see just kids like that had no musical training or ability just like come in and they just nailed it they totally just got it <laughs> and it was just this playful brilliant yeah and that's when i mean you know we got letters we got letters from carers that are looking after autistic kids because it was 
the South Bank Centre, you know, the half term. And she was like, we've gone back every day. I've never seen them so stimulating. I mean, we didn't, that wasn't on our radar at all. But the same with the Eden Project. I mean, like a written letter. We're like, well, look at this. Someone's <laughs> written a letter. They've asked for... <laughs> we should do, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Sort of yeah. Like ideal, hang it in the loo. That's kind of, that's yeah. where my yeah, mind yeah. goes with those sort of things. Mind you, the internet was so bad in Cornwall while we yeah. were there, they probably... That's probably why they had to say that. <laughs> quick. Yeah, probably didn't have much choice. Um, can I talk to you guys a little bit about your business model and about how Silent Studios works? Because, I mean, you two are with us now, but you've been going 15 years. And I look at your client list and it is, it's a who's who of clients I think most young creators would love to work with. From uh, I've just written a few down just in case I forgot them. But you've got Kasabian and Pete Tong. You've got the Somerset House and the VNA. You've got Film Four and David Lynch. This is I mean the list goes on and on. So in order to look after this range of clients, how does the studio work? How long uh, have you got? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as long as yeah. you want. Yeah. I mean, I mean well, I, I'm just sorry. What you I'm just say? thinking about um, this uh, book that we bought, the business model book, and it was well thumbed and, and read, and yet then discarded and it's changed we've to keep nimble we've had to change a lot over the years i mean we we started out as a duo and it was really through a kind of extended family that we would meet so it might be a production manager or production director or a strategist who's like you guys are great you should be working with burberry set that up boom done i think some things papered over the cracks slightly or enabled us to do things. So Burberry, the four years working with Burberry allowed us to have a studio of 10 full-time staff of CG artists, musicians, things like that. It was incredible. Uh, culturally amazing. We eat together. It's all that studio culture, everything that I, I, I ever wanted, really. But like you say, the people that we've collaborated with or clients that have commissioned us and partners are fantastic but a lot of the projects have been special projects. It, it, not knowing what what the next year was bringing, it, it can it, it, it's difficult. And also, um, we had to rely on the best best talent, and to get that in house is super expensive. So, we would do talks at colleges or studios, have intern juniors train them, and people would stay for three or four years, and then go off and get much better jobs. I mean, you know, in California and what, what have you. Um, so each year we kind of review. Um, that model yeah. and it does change and I think you know saying earlier we've got a fantastic exec producer called Sam who's almost like a third partner for us um, uh, we've, we've had 10 full-time staff we've, we've had remote kind of working model and almost everything in between yeah. haven't we well I guess that's the thing as well like when we were maybe a bit younger we saw that scale equaled success and I think yeah. so we kind of thought that was the natural thing and we were sharing a space that was um, with my brother's company who are kind of more traditional kind of branding packaging kind of design agency uh, and they were kind of following a model they'd kind of all worked at bigger kind of design agencies so they knew like who they needed to employ first yeah. what the size that was the optimum for the kind of what they wanted to deliver so we kind of followed that a little bit but then Actually, that didn't really work for our world because it's not like we've got the account and we kind of now know that we've got that much work for the year. And also um, just the people we wanted to get in, they were like, yeah, kind of specialist or people that didn't want to be full time. Mm. Um, and actually as well, because the projects are so diverse, it meant that we 
we'd have people sat there that couldn't work on a project and obviously we've got two disciplines already so that it just felt like it needed to be more nimble and kind of bring in the specialists the best of the best yeah. when we needed for that project because uh, it seems that you guys bring like you're not bringing in like a designer you're bringing in an artist yeah. who designs right it's, yeah. each time yeah. so and yeah. they're not crunching out like a hundred instagram things they're doing no. something very beautiful we usually add probably one thing, one discipline, one skill to our team that we don't have. So it might be a coder or a specialist in one particular thing, and that's kind of enough, perhaps two. But really, I think each project is looked at, um, and I suppose the criteria is can we, can we make this between us? Um, if not, which more often than not we can't, um, we put a team together. And that team, I think what kind of saves us in some ways is with site-specific work, people fly in from all over the world on pre-production. You know, it, it, can be, it can be done anywhere. Of course, working together is really important at certain times. But actually, if you're working with CG artists, if they've got a home studio, that can also work really well if they're really strong kind of art directors. Um, but usually that team is, is put together. And if, I mean, our latest model is that if we can't deliver a project like that because it's too heavy on like CG or needs a much bigger crew, then we, we've always been kind of signed as a director, composer, jury to a production company. It's not something we use that often, but we do take work in. So it might be Electric Theatre Collective or Passion Pictures and use their crew and, and, and we'll then direct yeah. that 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 content but it's usually on the content side if it is too heavy then 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 we've always got we've always got that something to happen yeah so i just wanted to pick up a little bit more on the vr conversation that we we had we touched on it earlier and yes you mentioned it earlier what are your thoughts on vr <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i mean i think we've got differing opinions perhaps well, on it as from well. your I mean, perspective right yeah, it's, it's really good yeah it's really the good. sound that element yeah. it's like a whole new toy toy box to yeah. play with right i mean there's like we we've done probably six or seven kind of vr projects now sound wise and i think the first one we did it was like it was pretty crazy because it was still quite early days and the workflow was mad where none of the software talked to each other so we had to kind of yeah, start off with Mac composition, like move through to like Reaper and then eventually onto like a PC to kind of preview it. And so like now that process is getting a little bit simpler, but I think there is obviously a lot of scope, kind of 360, like, you know, like different ambisonic kind of levels. Now you can get like high order ambisonic, so it makes it really detailed in the 360, which means that we can almost use audio as a storytelling device and kind of help direct people. Um, and I think it's, yeah, uh, I'm really interested to see where it goes. It feels like it's still early days in a way, like a lot of people that maybe we work with on more traditional stuff, they're not even going there because they just know that it's more about fixing it, making it work, not actually about craft and kind of doing something that's like, you know, groundbreaking. So that's a big thing. And also we've found that actually the last couple of projects we've done, they're almost like more abstract uh, pieces rather than being photoreal, let's make it look like you're in wherever. It's more about like how can we use this in a more creative way, and that's when it gets quite interesting. We did a piece with Balmain, the kind of French fashion house, and it was uh, basically their creative director talking about the latest collection, and it was kind of like um, this kind of like townhouse, and it would go through different kind of layers of this kind of townhouse and talk about different parts of the collection, and we had his voice starting off quite straight but then it became this dreamlike sequence and it would like almost kind of move around your head and be delayed and it was wow. 
that was really interesting because it was about how can we push that we can't you know we couldn't do that like with stereo or any yeah, other way yeah, you yeah. can only do that in this world so yeah. that was kind of like interesting yeah and for me i don't think we have different opinions <laughs> i think it's just um i suppose it's it goes against what we've tried to do historically which is bring people together through experience that connect people really but we've always worked in immersive media and it's really important to us and emerging technology and storytelling so i mean there are summits about this there are books about this with people coming together to question its meaning um reading a book at the moment which is called art in the digital age and it is a summit about vr with oliver aliasson and douglas coupland and you know, amazing thinkers who can articulate this much better than me. But what, what I did realise is I think it depends whose hand is all over this, create, who's creating really. And I decided um, recently that I think if artists are exploring this, like contemporary artists, um, I think that is really interesting. A brand exploring it, is, you know, I don't, I don't know. But I, I just felt that actually the way we view digital art is quite strange, but I, I think that it can, whether it's mixed reality or augmented, but specifically VR, I think that um, when there's something, like a new way of seeing, and you, I, I think it has to be in really credible artists' hands. And we've been doing some work with Acute Art, who are in Somerset House, an amazing um, company, we're working on a project with Gilbert and George at the moment, um, but they've worked on VR projects with. Have they really? I just I've, Anthony I used to see them quite a lot walking around in Shoreditch. Yeah, and you see them yeah, yeah, yeah. To think that they were making VR projects just makes me really smile. Well, actually, AR. They're like ah. they hate the hell the the the, uh, the headsets. Yeah. But you know, I mean, cute art. I've been working with Anthony Gormley and Marina Abramovich, amazing yeah. artists. And I'm kind of dipping my toe in that water to work with their crew on a more kind of art direction or creative mm. direction level. And I think, you know, they've just done a piece with Mark Leckie, which is about a trip that he had. And that's psychedelic and mad, yeah. you'd expect. That to me is super interesting. Yeah. Um, whereas tech for tech's sake and that feeling of a demo or feeling like it yeah. makes you feel a bit, seasick isn't necessarily yeah we i mean uh, with the mixed reality i think we kind of talked about i don't know if you ever saw the project i think it was the national theater did where it was an artist that um got commissioned and he made a piece i think he just lost his mum and he kind of basically kind of built this line drawn animated world that was his house when he was five or six and the whole idea was that um, you could kind of explore the house and you can go and lie in his bed or you could sit at the kitchen table. And um, just to end the experience, they basically, um, your mum arrives back home from work and sh she kind of says, how was your day and things like that. And then like kind of gives a cuddle. Um, and I guess people thought that they were going to go and cuddle themselves, but actually they got like a mo-capped um, actor to be the mum. So when you went up to cuddle your mum, there was actually a physical person there and people would kind of like cuddle. And it was just the kind of response they had was amazing. And it was just, again, the use of it, like in the right hands, it can be incredible. And I think people were just blown away by that. And that's when we saw that. I know I was like, oh, that's 
I can really relate to that or how mm. that could be like more of a kind of silent kind of project. Like That feels like it's building on a human experience, you know what I mean? And it, my, my issue, and it's, it's, uh, maybe I'm getting a bit older, but I'm getting more and more grumpy around bits of <laughs> VR because I keep seeing you're taking away the human part of, of the experience, right? What you're doing is you're detaching humanity and making us more like in a headset. Like that's not where we should go. And that maybe yeah. I'm being a bit... No, 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 yeah, yeah, authoritarian totally about it, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's definitely. definitely one argument, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I don't know if it's the right one, but time will tell. <laughs> I think yeah. a lot of people are quite comfortable being in a VR headset and not having to deal with it. And I think we've all done a VR experience where we're like, "Wow, that was actually awesome," yeah. and then equally, probably nine more that are like, "Oh, that was horrible." Yes, uh, yeah, totally. and ones that make you feel a bit sick. Uh, thankfully, yeah. a lot of the sick stuff has kind of gone. People yeah, have kind of learned. Yeah, and yeah. you know, as as they used to say, like we had a hundred and something years to work out how to do film, and we're on year six of VR. So, yeah, it's kind of a new thing. Um, and the other thing is Res Labs. Yes. Do you want to just talk a little bit about Res Labs? Yeah, I mean, we kind of set that up a couple of years ago, and I think it it was kind of stemmed from this idea that. Um, we were delivering installations and we'd done a few VR projects and we kind of just realised that we needed a slightly different team to deliver, I guess, like properly. And that was from, um, you know, going on site and being at the hands or the mercy of like somebody else that spec the system and the technicians there. We kind of felt that we needed to almost like be able to con be involved with that process because it's kind of all great, you know, spending weeks kind of creating the composition and sound designing. But then if you go on site and the system's not there to deliver that properly, we kind of felt that we needed, I guess, like to have a little bit more say in that and almost, yeah, consult or kind of help develop the system and think about what we are creating and how that's going to play back. Because it's almost like 50-50 in a way, if you could have great kind of like composition, but if it's a rubbish system, then that's not relevant. Um, and I think as well, we're kind of interested in like, I guess, bespoke software or kind of like, you know, not off the shelf kind of like, mm. kind of. so we kind of thought actually, again, we need to work with coders, programmers, technicians, and they're just like great complement to the kind of more traditional composers and sound designers we have. And there's nothing better when they're all around the table and we're trying to work something out. And, you know, like obviously, we can, you know, we're both there. It's not just like me because I'm leading the sound. It's like we're both thinking about how people are going to experience this. What's the kind of, you know, feeling we want them to have at that point, and then we'll kind of then work out okay how we're going to do that from a composition point of view, from a playback point of view, and make sure we can then deliver it. Um, and it's had a, you know, we've kind of been lucky to then work with, you know, especially as Devlin, who mm. was really excited we the first project we worked on was the vna christmas tree um and it was part of this series of work she was exploring this algorithm that had been kind of built that was based on this 19th century literature um and the idea that people could donate a word and then get this two lines of poetry back and then that's added to this cumulative kind of poem that just ca yeah that just like carries on building in the background um and she was i guess responded really well to the idea that we were kind of thinking how can we push this? What's the kind of like, you know, the audio in this kind of situation? I mean, the VNA was a nightmare because it was in the foyer of the kind of VNA where you're not allowed to kind of run any cables. It's like, you know, there's just so many restrictions. So we ended up building all the speakers and all the playback system was in the uh, bottom of the tree. So it was all housed in there. And we had to like, yeah, work out how we could, I guess, like make it feel immersive without, you know, being able to kind of like just put speakers everywhere. And so that's, again, it's just challenges like that, that we're, you know, without a really good team to do that, I think it would have fallen down and we, you know, a couple of 
little speakers on the Plymouth would all be, and it would just like you know again massively changes the the experience for the people kind of. And I think as well, we tended to you know within our work. So ResLab is is kind of like an audio delivery, immersive audio or spatial audio. So we we have that in our work anyway. So kind of night, we'll work on a two hundred foot long tunnel, where and a box is co-collaborative storm installation that we made and we needed to feel like a complete team and deliver that side as well and not rely on a kind of AV partners but I think that looking outwardly out of our own work I remember with Ez she said you know I know where to go for lighting designer theatre opera installations I know exactly who to go to and then with sound yeah of course you commission uh, composition and I think it ResLab really ties into what we do, which is like a real quality from a composition or idea, but then the execution in a non-traditional way. So it's not stereo, it's not broadcast, it's not, you know, it's in a space or or it's VR and ambisonic. And from my point of view, I love it because I can bring a kind of creative direction level to it and partner with Liam on that. And then I'm used to being on site. So I delivered one of the ES projects with Manabu Akoda and sound artists that we use I was a bit exposed because you were you were in Cannes doing an Instagram project and just these bits were supplied I didn't even know how to you know attach them all <laughs> but it was great to um partner with Ed creatively yeah and you know being on site it, it, you could have you could be an amazing composer but it's a really different discipline being on site thinking on your feet and delivering something that works that's public yeah. facing that night you know. Yeah, I mean that was a really interesting project because that was uh, where people could uh, there was a microphone, meg, it was called microphone megaphone and people could say a word into the um, microphone and then it would play back, it would look at the bank and like choose like based on pitch volume and duration like a kind of sung word that would sing it back to you so it would kind of find it. So it was this really, yeah, like crazy kind of like idea and it was, you know it was a lot of work to kind of to do that and I think you know that's what I do love about them projects that you're kind of not just like relying on like well we've done this before we know how to do this it's like okay we're gonna have to build this bit of software work with all these different people and try and then see how we can get it to work live on the night um and there was you know again a lot of R&D that had kind of gone into that and I think that's what we've kind of found as well is that we need to be constantly doing R&D and developing kind of whether that's like tech or concepts or kind of ideas that are kind of you know when you're working on a project there might not be loads of time so you don't want to kind of just rely on what can be done in that time you can bring these other kind of bits you've almost like tested out and got working and then bring that into a project and say well we could do this um and i think you know our work we we've been equally comfortable and enjoy working kind of mainstream um accessible kind of work or you know that the megaphone microphone was at the serpentine gallery um but I think we, we put in that time, that effort, and then, you know, we get a call from the Pompidou and through Google Arts and Culture um, to, I suppose, use that methodology and try and have these, like, synesthetic responses to a permanent exhibition there, a Kandinsky exhibition. Um, so I think that's, you know, we, we'll kind of put that R&D in and we'll perhaps do something that's quite cultural or perhaps in a gallery. Mm. Um, but equally, it might, you know, it could be something really mainstream but then we can then apply it and apply that knowledge to you know a car show or something like that that's um a completely different environment but it's still the same 
kind of approach from us really are there any technologies that you guys through res lab and through everything else where you're like oh we haven't quite managed to get our teeth into that but let's put that on the <laughs> shelf i'm going to come back to that yeah this, yeah i mean there's kind of like um, we're kind of building a bit of a hq at the moment that's going to be like on the music side of things that will be part kind of composition yeah. but part kind of more like workshop like lab where we can kind of like test out different things because this i mean you know we're T- talking to like I guess manufacturers and kind of brands that kind of like the audio is like obviously their world and they're f- you know they want to kind of help like push it and you know we're from a more kind of creative background and we want to help them do that um, and like, as I was saying earlier like the idea of you know like nothing more than that there's more briefs that come on the table that are audio led because yeah. they're generally you know like a lot of them are visually led which is you know fine and sometimes we'll try and suggest actually this could work better if it was audio led but a lot of the time people just live in that world and that's how they know it um so part of the testing and also just like um i guess like educating people about what's possible with audio and actually sometimes it's it's the best way to do it in a way because you can't you know to visually to do that would be infrastructure and like you know with instagram that was like on the beach in Cannes, and it was just the you know part of the reason they kind of had this mirrored um, it looks, I mean, if you haven't seen it, uh, we'll put a little link in the description. It looks amazing. It was, br- I mean, it was really interesting. And yeah. I guess Ez was really keen that it wasn't about the celebration of Instagram. It was more about it being a storytelling device and kind of being quite hard hitting at times. Um, but they kind of, you know, physically, they couldn't get a full in the round space on the beach. So they had to use mirrors and kind of mirror on the kind of ceiling and on the back wall and then water reflecting on the, on the ground. But we kind of, built a system that the kind of with speakers that were kind of then dotted all around you and kind of like we had speakers that were more directional bouncing off the back wall and then hitting you that way so it felt like you're almost creating this 360 in a way through the sound even though you were kind of actually in a 180 kind of space so i think it's definitely really interesting to see where you know we can take it with that mm-hmm. kind of stuff i think te- technology is a quite a strange thing for us though in in, in a way because when i think of instagram like uh, I, I think of Ez coming out and half the clients in tears because what you've created with sound. And she said, you know, I can't do that visually. There's no way I can make them cry from like a cinematic image or like, but but that just brings a whole new level. So I, I always think about that more than how it's executing. And I think, you know, my relationship with technology is slightly different because um, it is in our work. Um, and it, But it's all relative. So in some conversations and some projects we're super progressive people are like well fucking hell we're not ready for that and in others like when google arts and culture call and say we want to do this like machine learning project or can you put a bit more of this in your treatment i'm i don't even know what that is <laughs> and i'm thinking no no but you bring that bit don't you and so sometimes yeah and that's when we'll get maybe one other member in our team yeah. and usually it, it it, it may be over Skype as well. I'm saying, look, this is the idea. This is what I want to do. But they've asked for, they need this to be, you know, a, yeah, machine learning and AI. And, and I don't want to like shoehorn that in. Well, I don't know what it is. So, <laughs> so <laughs> can you help? And then you kind of get it. And so, yeah, I think technology is, uh, um, it's straight. Cause what, what, I mean, yesterday we, we, we pitched some, like what I think were some fantastic ideas and what, sometimes we come up against is that if it does use technology one of the responses is it's too techy and data-led 
and it's not for kids. We're like, oh, yeah. But I mean, I feel it's quite democratic because this is like using your phone yeah. and, and we're working with Gilbert and George in their mid-70s. I mean, they're, yeah. not, they're not doing it for kids. They're doing this kind of art for all, yeah. global reach piece. So, so it, 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 is, it is something that, that you know, is, it, is a tricky balance and obviously it's always there in our work, but it's a strange relationship with technology really yeah. at the time. I think that's a good point, actually, because it doesn't really drive us technology. It's almost more like it opens up. All right, OK, we can now do that creatively. Yeah. But I think we're not really it's not like we're kind of like hounding the kind of technology forums about what's the kind of next big thing. And like we're kind of more always thinking about how does it make people feel? And actually that really resonates with a lot of clients because it's kind of like, you know, that's what they're interested in. And kind of sometimes, yeah, the technology is really hidden. And it's we're almost better. like a counterpoint to technology. <laughs> yeah. now we can work yeah. with some technologists or a coder, for example, or even in VR working with a developer. They're believers. They 100% believe in that technology. So they don't really have an objective viewpoint. So in a way, we're like, this is what we want to do. This is the idea. This is, this is what it sounds like. This is the aesthetic. Or we've started fleshing out some ideas of how it may look and sound and they'll go way too far and be more complex but well this is a transient thing that people are passing through or by that doesn't need to do that that's really clever but that's not really so sometimes we can be a counterpoint to that. yeah well i think that's the creative linchpin right you kind of need that in the technology what we were talking about earlier about partnerships and how they work and developing in the new creative forum like bringing in creative technologists and then having them with people that are just pure creatives it's you need that yeah. conflict again right yeah, that yeah, creative conflict yeah. um and then sorry to put you guys on the spot this is a question we we kind of ask everyone but i know i didn't prep you for this so uh <laughs> but what is if you could give a little reading recommendation or something for some for anyone listening to to check out it can be work if you want it can be whatever uh, what would you recommend i'm a, a re reading did you say you can, it can yes. be reading i'm going to open it up but i'm it reading an actual book at the moment which really? i think oh, is really inspiring vintage um <laughs> it's called art in the digital age and it's about um an art summit in verbier that um 10 different artists were invited to to discuss kind of what it means to live today and what digital art and vr and ar means but there are people like oliver aliasson who um think light pieces and work touches on what we're interested in and being human and and yet he has done a vr piece with acute art so he was obviously invited there um but it's really really great to get a viewpoint of someone who's like archiving digital work at the tate modern versus douglas yeah. Coupland, like an author or someone that's a real you know yeah. advocate of vr um that's something i'm reading at the moment I think I know this is super mainstream and it's hate modern, but the Oliver Aliasson show yes, at the moment, yeah. it's just kind of every piece you think, yeah, that's great, nice one, oh, next, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant, <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, that was yeah, that was really good. I think it was just it was because it's quite it touches on a lot of stuff that we've done. I don't know if you guys have been to kind of the show, but yeah, um, I haven't been no, to that one. Yeah, I wanted to. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it was just great. And there was kind of like, um, there was a piece where they had, it was kind of like a dark room, but they, they had a strobe and it was like a kind of like melting bit of ice, but you didn't really know what it was. In it was the middle? Yeah. Yeah, so it was, a, it was a spray of water. Is that what it was? Uh, like a jet and it, it, it 
whatever way it was designed was would, would mushroom out. Mushroom out, yeah. I was mesmerized that, for yeah. about five minutes. I know. Just staring at it because the, the the your retina would hold the last image for that a couple was of seconds afterwards, yeah. and it was just incredible. It was incredible, yeah. yeah. And the kind of because it was like they had a I don't know if they had like a sm- smell in there. It was just because of the water, yeah. but there was a kind of like smell in there, and it was like of a certain temperature. And then they had this r- kind of wa- running water, and then you'd just get this blast, and it was just, yeah, so powerful. It was just like this really, it wasn't, you know, like that complicated, but it was just like, again, it's something you just talk about to everybody. I think that's a lot of his pieces. Like, you know, I can tell my six year old son, and he kind of gets the kind of what that's about. And it ties into what we've been exploring, which is, you know, nature and art and yeah. being human i mean i'd say the the other stuff that we we often go and see is anything that's really synthetic like a mix of mm. senses like ryoji akido or something like that where it's so hard hitting like the visual and the sound are inextricably linked and they're always really intense and we wonder why we shouldn't have just gone to see something a little softer <laughs> but um that kind of work is is fantastic and i think now UVA at the moment are at 180 Strand, aren't aren't they? They're kind of um, a piece with Bernie Krauss, the the sound design, um, the, the the kind of field recordings from 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 the Amazon and all over the world, where it's kind of I love that um, where there's a real literal link between what you see and what you hear, and it's you know super satisfying. It's kind of hats off, yeah. hats off to them. I think that's probably going to take us to an end, guys. Thank you so much for coming and joining us. And thanks for the talk this morning and uh, a great chat. Yeah, great. Thank you very much. Um, We'll put a load of links in the description below, things that we talked about. And um, yeah, we hope to hear from you again soon. Brilliant. Thanks Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Tom.